Well, good morning. I want to invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look to verse 29. As Michael reminded you earlier, we began a short series last week dealing with gospel communication and started by looking to the Word to see what it might tell us about listening. Today we look to the Word to see what it has to tell us about speaking. We've got one verse today. We'll look to that verse, but we will understand it in the broader context of Ephesians as a whole and and chapter 4 more particularly. Friends, this is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. This is the Word of the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, Your Word is true. Your word that we have read this day may be brief, but it is packed full of your goodness, your grace, and we ask that by your spirit you would bring both conviction and comfort in the gospel as we explore this passage. Would you do this, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, I know that it may be hard for many of you to believe this, but I have not always been the fashionable trendsetter who stands before you this day. Wink, wink. Some of you are wondering, what in the world was he before? Uh, Anna and I got married just shy of my 25th birthday. And prior to that, I dressed like a guy who had lived on his own in his singleness for 25 years. (laughs) But upon our wedding, upon our marriage, I was no longer left in my singleness, but I was now united to my bride. And my bride began her work of transformation rather quickly. On our honeymoon, she took my old sunglasses and got rid of them and replaced them with a new pair that fit her liking and then quickly began to move various other uh, portions of my wardrobe to reflect a man who was no longer single but was indeed united to his bride. I offer this illustration slightly in jest. But you may be wondering with that introduction, what in the world does it have to do with our speech, gospel speech? And I would tell you more than you might think. You see, Ephesians is a book that um, gives us this beautifully simple yet profound picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Paul would speak of of God's 
sovereign grace of His work of renewal and the impact of that work as He draws us in to a new union in Christ that extends to our union within the body. He is in effect pointing us to the new reality of our lives that grows, uh, a new reality that we grow into uh, as we move from singleness in our pre-Christian days to our new union with our groom, Jesus. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, in verse 17, uh, Paul talks about that, that growth into the new reality by, by telling us to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, in saying that, he, he tips his hand that he is, in fact, speaking to born-again Christians. This sermon is a sermon for Christians, though the non-Christian is probably thankful that we're finally talking about how Christians ought to speak. Paul says that as we grow in the Christian life, we are to change our patterns of speech. We're no longer to walk as we once did. We're to stop walking like we did before we were married to Jesus. So in the broader pattern of chapter 4, there's, a, uh, there's an element of this, uh, this transformation that is taking off the old and putting on the new. Now, in chapter 4, he gives many examples, many specific examples of what that means to take off the old and put on the new. But today, we want to focus on what it means in terms of our speech. That's what we saw in verse 29. And so as we consider that, I want to start with looking at taking off corrupting talk. Now, when I got married, uh, I, I didn't automatically begin dressing differently. <laughs> There's a problem. Old, da- old habits uh, die hard. <laughs> you know that. Now, some of us who have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ have done so coming out of uh, godless pagan lifestyles. Some of us have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ from a background that is more culturally Christian. But regardless of that background, you and I have all been shaped by a non-Christian culture in many respects, including our manner of speech. And besides the cultural influences that have shaped our speech... uh, By definition, those of us who have been converted one time lived apart from Christ and had a heart that was at war with Christ. So it wasn't just the culture that was influencing our speech, but it was our own sinful hearts. Now, just as my wardrobe didn't change immediately, neither did my speech nor yours. Because those habits die a long, hard death. And so with that in mind, Paul is intentional about telling us to be intentional with our speech. He starts by telling us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. 
What is this corrupting talk that he speaks of? You know, on one hand, it's, it's vulgar speech. It's coarse talk. It's, it's, it's a manner of speech that does not bring glory to God. But is Paul in this text telling us merely to stop cussing? <laughs> I think there's more at play than that. Do you, have you ever noticed, if you look through, uh, some of you may use iTunes for your music. If you look through iTunes, maybe most of you don't see these kind of songs, but some songs, uh, they mark as explicit. There'll be a sort of an E beside that song to kind of warn you that there are some, there are some foul, there's foul language in that song. It's their way of offering a, a, a warning for corrupting talk. But some of the music labels have, in an effort to make their music more accessible to the masses have offered non-explicit versions of those songs. Do you ever read the lyrics of the non-explicit versions of the songs? All I did was bleep out a few words or mask a few words, but the storyline is the same. When Paul talks about removing corrupting talk, he's not merely talking about walking around with sort of a a bleep around our heads to to mark out those select curse words. He's talking about changing both the content and the storyline of our speech so that our speech is redemptive. He's talking about what we talk about and the way we talk. He's also talking about the purpose and tone of our speech. So corrupting talk isn't merely those specific words that come out of our mouth, but it's the purpose behind our speech. Speaking about patterns of speech that do not tear down others. Paul talks about not letting corrupting talk come out of our mouths. He's not being prudish. Paul is not being delicate with this. He's calling us to be united to Christ. And in our union with Christ, he's telling us that our speech is to be Christ-like. Therefore, our speech is to be constructive. And corrupting talk is the very opposite. It is destructive. Corrupting the Word... Translated here in verse 29, uh, speaks of harmful, unwholesome, poor or or bad quality speech elsewhere. And in the New Testament, this word refers to rotten fruit, putrid fish. These words speak of sort of a spreading, diseased speech that as it grows, spreads destruction. Let me ask you to consider the way you talk. Is the way you talk, both in its content and its purpose, destructive? Last month, we had our annual termite inspection in our house. 
Before we bought the house, we, we had a termite inspection performed on the house to make sure it was, uh, had a solid foundation. And then on an annual basis every year afterwards, we bring a professional in to inspect the house and, and sign off on the termite bond. Why don't we do that? Well, termites are small. They are seemingly insignificant creatures, but their destructive power is unmatched. These termites, they eat away at at the structure, at the foundation and the walls, and if left unchecked, they can destroy the whole house. Termite, their long-term power to destroy, is a picture of of our corrupting talk and of its effect. And so when you communicate, whether you're talking, whether you are writing, whether you are gossiping, be aware of the power of your words. Because your words have the power to influence, to build up, or to destroy the young. have the power to destroy your spouse. They have the power to impact your non-Christian neighbor who's watching everything that you do and everything you say to see just who is this Jesus the person speaks of. Look, termites are destructive, but they're small. And that's why I need a professional to come in every year and inspect my house. I can't get into the right places to see them. We need somebody else to inspect. Oftentimes our speech can be the same way. So I want to ask you, will you be willing to be vulnerable enough to invite another in to inspect? I heard a pastor friend recently say that we should have a friend who has loved Jesus longer than we have and then we should give them a hunting license in our lives. Will you be vulnerable enough to invite a friend in to hunt out your words and your speech? I invite you to do just that. Uh, That's the first part of what Paul uh, talks about when he talks about growing into Christ-likeness, the reality of our union in Christ. There's there's an element of taking off, uh, but he doesn't stop there in the taking off. He also tells us to put on, and so in verse 29 he tells us to put on speech that builds up. Some of you, when I I say... uh, Walk like an Egyptian. A song comes to your mind. And, and, and it's not merely a song that comes to your mind. You've got a mental image of the dance that goes along with that song. So when I, when I speak of walking like an Egyptian, in your mind you're doing something like that, right? What mental image comes in your mind if I don't say the words walk like an Egyptian, but I say talk like a Christian? What do you think would be the mental image that would come in the mind of the non-Christian when I say those words? Maybe hypercritical, maybe hypocritical, 
maybe judgmental. That image may be in the mind of the non-Christian. It may be in your mind. But let's not take that and throw out the admonition to talk like a Christian. Let's instead redeem it. Because to talk like a Christian ultimately is to talk like Christ. And that's where Paul goes at the end of verse 29 Uh, when he says, let only such a a talk as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, just as uh, corrupting talk had multiple connotations, both in the content and the purpose of our speech, speech that builds up also has multiple connotations. First, speech that builds up is... Is, is speaking the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17 speaks of the word of Christ as being necessary for faith. That faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So, as we speak in such a way as to build others up, part of that is speaking the word of Christ to others. We speak of the gospel. We speak of the Word to others because the Word has the power to build up. Be humble enough and bold enough to speak the Word of Christ to others, to the Christians and to other non-Christians. But more than simply admonishing us to speak the Word of Christ to others, Paul is telling us to use Christ-like words. Romans 8.29 tells us that the purpose of the Christian life, the thing to which we have been predestined to, is is to grow in Christ-likeness. That the Christian life is is a life of growing into Christ-likeness, to being conformed to the image of Christ. And so when others hear your words, do they hear Christ-likeness? Speaking in such a way that we build others up does not merely mean that we stop using cuss words. It means that we encourage, we strengthen, we we build others up in Christ, that we reflect Christ. So does the content and the purpose of your speech build others up in Christ? Does the testimony of your life reflect a life that is marked by uh, what does, is the testimony of your life, excuse me, marked by uh, the tone, the content, and the purpose of speech? Does it point others to Christ? That's what I'm trying to say. I can't get it out. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, uh, I've told you all I, uh, I had an opportunity to take a study week. And I joined several pastor friends at a, at a lake cabin up in northwest Alabama and over the course of that week, I spent a lot of hours in, in a single chair, <laughs> uh, reading the Word, praying, meditating. And as I sat in that chair, you know, you, you spent a lot of time kind of looking around you. And I got a chance to really admire the, uh, the, the simple construction of a cabin. 
And this cabin had um, uh, span, the, the span of the cabin, the, the ceiling was, well, in some sense similar to this, though not this magnitude, certainly, was, had, had, a, had a long uh, vaulted ceiling. But the vaulted ceiling would not hold up its own weight. So uh, this cabin had some, uh, had some wooden um, columns that were supporting uh, the ceiling. And, and then it had this series of, of wooden trusses that were holding it up, exposed trusses. It was, a, it was a cabin feel. But even with all of that support, these, these wooden trusses that, that, that went across the ceiling uh, were supported by these, these little steel brackets. Those steel brackets were not large, but they strengthened the very structure holding the house together and the roof up. Friends, speech that builds up is the opposite of termite speech. Speech that builds up is steel reinforcement speech. And steel reinforcement speech adds strength not to the structure of the roof, but to the heart. Now, like those steel brackets that helped hold up this roof, our speech can be small. But our speech is powerful. And when combined with listening to know, this speech that builds up forms the very essence of gospel communication. So just as I, was, uh, I asked you to be vulnerable enough to, to ask others into your lives to examine your content and purpose of speech, to see where it was corrupting, I ask you now to be intentional enough to listen to what they say and intentional enough to change your speech. Speak to others in such a way that they hear Jesus. Build others up, both with the content and the purpose of your speech, with the very tone of your speech. And use the speech not to recreate others in your own image, but so that you reflect the image of Jesus to them. Friends, as we grow into the reality of our union in Christ, our speech becomes speech of steel. Speech of steel that supports the structures of the heart that build others up. Paul has written this letter about the gospel and speaks of it in terms of union with Christ. Uh, a union that is real on the day of our conversion and we spend the rest of our lives growing into. And just like, well, hopefully much better than my wardrobe, uh, there's an element of taking off and putting on. A series of don'ts and a series of do's. But you know all too well 
that to merely say stop one behavior pattern and start another behavior pattern will not cut it. To actually effect change, we must deal with the root behind those behavioral patterns. We must deal with what lies beneath them. Broader context of verse 29 helps us there. Verse 31, in speaking of uh, corrupting talk, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. It's a list of issues, but at the heart of those issues is the first, bitterness. Bitterness uh, comes from a heart that is ultimately not right with God. It is the primary characteristic of the unregenerate, the, the person who has not yet been born again. There is a bitterness towards God and the world because it is a heart that is focused entirely on self. So bitterness would be the, the primary distinguishing mark of the person who has not yet been born Again, but even for the Christian who has been born again, roots of bitterness can remain in those areas of our lives where we are practically unbelieving in the goodness and graciousness of our God. This bitterness causes a destruction within and leads to a destruction without. And bitterness is incompatible with the Christian life and our union in Christ. What is at the root of our corrupting talk? Bitterness. Bitterness in our heart is the root of corrupting talk. So what do we do? Well, again, we be vulnerable. We be honest with ourselves. We actually listen to the people that we invite in. We listen to the words that come out. We listen to what is going on in our own hearts and we recognize the bitterness that exists. But friends, when we recognize the bitterness that remains in pockets, we then repent. To repent is not simply to recognize that there are elements of bitterness driving our speech patterns and trying to do better. There's no power in doing better. Yes, growth in Christ requires effort, but the effort that we bring is not the power source behind it. To repent is to bring our bitterness before the Lord. To confess it to Him. To repent and and plead for the Holy Spirit to take it and remove it as far as the east is from the west. Friends, that is where there is power. Recognize the root of bitterness and bring it before the Lord in repentance. He desires to take it from you. How do we put off Corrupting talk, we recognize its root and we repent of it. But also know that speech that builds up also has a root. The do has a root. That is how 
this chapter ends in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What is the root of speech that builds up? Forgiveness. Not the forgiveness that we give, but the forgiveness that we have received. In other words, the root of speech that builds up is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The One who came. The One who lived. The One who died. The One who died in our place is an act of His love for His enemies. So that in Him, we might be reconciled to God the Father. That is what it means to receive the forgiveness that God in Christ has given. Friends, we can forgive. We can speak with speech that builds up because we have been forgiven and because we have been spoken to by Christ in a way that our hearts are built up. I told you about the cabin. And I tried to describe its, its design and structure. It was, it was designed and built in such a way that from the ground up, it would support the very structure. Uh, the, the roof that stood above it. There were steel reinforcements. <laughs> well placed, well designed, that strengthened the whole structure. I've come uh, to, uh, to appreciate thoughtful builders. Gifted builders who, who can envision a structure and from the ground up build it to last throughout the generations. It is a gifting, I believe, that is given by God. But I've also come to recognize a different type of builder with a different type of gift. This is the gift of remodeling. Some of you may be in the remodeling process. And you know that the years, the weather, the termites can bring about decay. You know that that decay is oftentimes hidden underneath layers of, of exterior covering. You know that to remodel takes hard work. To remodel takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes patience. The remodeling gift is still a work of construction, but is done in an atmosphere that is a lot messier. It's a lot like the work of rebuilding the heart. Friends, Christians and non-Christians alike have hidden decay that has been brought about by years of termite speech, termite speech that has come from all directions. And that termite speech has either caused or contributed to the decay. But to us, Jesus has spoken words that build up, that rebuild, 
the destruction that has been brought about by the termites. To the tired and broken, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To those who are walking in darkness, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light. To those whom He has loved from before the beginning of time, the Word of Christ says in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Friends, Jesus is the master builder doing a beautiful work remodeling our lives, our hearts, the lives and hearts of all who will come to Him, broken and repentant. This is the root of speech that builds up the gospel of Jesus Christ. So friends, receive His words of forgiveness. And in receiving His words of forgiveness, rejoice with words of praise. And let those words of praise to Jesus form within you a new pattern of speech towards others. Speech that is informed and transformed by the gospel. This is speech that builds others up in Christ. Father, this is your word. This is the word of Christ. And I pray that it would do its work in our hearts, building us up so that we would grow more and more in the image of Jesus, our good and gracious groom. Would you change, would you transform the way we speak so that we might bring glory to you, that we might point others to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do this, we pray, in His name. Amen.